Well, hello, church. Today we are in John chapter four, and we'll be looking at this incredible interaction between Jesus and the Samaritan woman that he meets at the well. There's so many incredible things about this meeting, even from the start, that Jesus would be around a woman alone in public is really against the social norms of the day. Secondly, that he would be speaking with a Samaritan, as we learn in our text in verse nine, that Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jews thought the Samaritans were these half-breeded people that didn't know all of the truth, that worshiped in the wrong spot, that didn't have all of the Bible. They were unclean in the Jews' eyes. Yet Jesus doesn't discriminate based on race or uncleanliness. In fact, he is only seeking to save the lost. And this woman was lost. And she needed truth. This woman was confused and she needed direction. This woman, like all of us, was a sinner and was in need of a savior. And so Jesus was there just like he is here for us now, willing to meet with us, willing to speak with us, to teach us, to give us hope, to give us a promise, and to give us faith. Our Lord is good. He is kind. He meets us where we are, and after we have met him, we will never be the same. Our lives are changed and our worship changes. So if you're not there yet, please turn in your Bibles to John chapter four. And uh, we're going to go through this incredible story and see five things that happen to our worship once we meet Jesus. So before we do that, let's pray. And then we'll go through the word of God. Heavenly father, Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness to us, your kindness, Lord. God, have you have provided us with everything we need. Lord, we thank you that you are in control. And God, we thank you, Lord, that you fill us now with your spirit if we believe in you so that we can be worshipers of the true and living God. Lord, I pray that you would help us understand this text. God, I pray that it would be an encouragement to us. And Lord, would your spirit work through your word right now, oh God, and meet with us that we may understand, O oh Lord, and be transformed because of your word. We thank you for your grace. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So five things that happen to us as we meet Jesus. Five things that change our worship as we meet Jesus. So here is the first thing. When we meet Jesus, our worship is satisfying. It's satisfying. It becomes satisfying. Look at the text with me. In the first six verses, we learn that Jesus um, was dealing with the Pharisees. They were asking questions. He had left where he was. He departed again for Galilee. And, and on his way, he passed through Samaria. On his way, he came to this town in Samaria called Sychar. And he found the well that Jacob had uh, made. And so he's sitting at this well, a little bit tired and wearisome from his journey. And he's sitting down and resting. And it was at the sixth hour, which is about noon. And so we pick up in verse seven and allow me to read this. It says this, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, Ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria, for Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, 
you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, and as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here and draw water. You see, when we meet Jesus, our worship becomes satisfying. The woman doesn't know what she's gotten herself into here. She thinks she's just having a normal day of going to the well with her bucket and getting some water to take it home for her daily supply. She has no idea who she's going to run into. And she happens to run into the savior of the world, God himself, Jesus Christ in the flesh. Jesus says to her to get him some water. And she's saying, why are you talking to me? I'm a Samaritan woman. She knows that he shouldn't have any dealings with her. She's a bit confused, but he says to her, you really should be asking me for water. And if you did, if you did, I would give you living water. She's confused. She doesn't quite get what Jesus is saying here. He's graciously trying to reveal himself to her, but she's not quite getting it. She's not seeing who he is. She answers, but you don't even have a bucket. How are you going to give me this water. See, Jesus is speaking on a different level. She's not seeing it. She's looking at this physical moment, her need right now, this thirst that she needs to quench. But Jesus is looking at the spiritual reality. She thought that water would satisfy her, but it won't. It will only leave her thirsty again. But the water that Jesus can give her, that Jesus can give us, will well up within us and satisfy us forever and give us eternal life. When we think about this as believers, we really need to put our priorities back in line. And we need to ask ourselves the question, what do I consider satisfying? What do I consider satisfying? Right now, especially, we see people stockpiling their homes with food and bottles of water and supplies, everything that they can find, they're putting it into their house and keeping it because they think that if they only had food, if they had more food, then they would be satisfied, then they would be secure, then they would be safe. But this isn't the case. The food we eat will only leave us hungry again. The water we drink, we will only become thirsty again. It won't really satisfy us forever. But in Jesus, there is this full satisfaction, this eternal satisfaction, a real satisfaction. This is what we have in the worship of Christ, total satisfaction. Psalm 107 verse 9 says, For he satisfies the longing of the soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. 
Jesus in just a couple chapters in John 6, 35 says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Total and complete satisfaction that is only found in Jesus Christ. This satisfaction that goes beyond any circumstance, this satisfaction that provides hope in hard times and is a solid foundation that could weather any storm. Total satisfaction through this living water that Christ can supply. He's trying to get through to this woman. He's trying to get through to us. Where do we find our satisfaction? What wells are we dipping into? We must seek Christ to find true satisfaction. Let me ask you a few questions. Right now, are you anxious at all, like many are, with everything going on in the world? Are you feeling a bit anxious? Rely on the living water that comes from Christ and be totally satisfied in his peace. Are you confused right now? A lot of information coming at us every day, every hour. It feels like we're getting a year's worth of news in one day. Are you confused right now about what this holds for the future? Are you confused right now about what is going on even today? Rely on the living water that comes from Christ and be totally satisfied in his wisdom and in his knowledge. Are you feeling depressed right now? Things that are happening in our world can leave some of us who struggle with this feeling depressed. And I can say to you, rely on the living water that comes from Christ and be totally satisfied in the joy that he brings. Are you burdened for others right now? For anyone who might be suffering, anyone who might not have access to certain things, people around the world, relatives in other countries, listen, rely on the living water that comes from Christ and be totally satisfied in his provision. Our satisfaction can only be found in Christ. Ask him for this living water. Ask him. He says to the woman here, if only you would ask me, I will give it to you. And we must only ask Christ. Ask Christ for this living water. Allow him to satisfy your soul, not just for now, but for eternity. And he will do it. Let's continue in our text here. We see as we continue that uh, when we meet Christ, our worship no longer depends on our location. Let's just read from 16 uh, down to 21. It says this, Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one you know now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. So Jesus, in his grace, after her missing the understanding of the living water, he, he tries to turn the conversation in such a way that he reveals himself even more to her. He's telling her something that there's no way he could possibly know. He's telling her about her past and about her present situation. Someone he, she's never met knows all this detail about her life. 
He's revealing himself to her a little bit more to see if she starts to get the picture. It's all grace. It's all grace. Jesus knew that she had five husbands. We don't get any context surrounding any of this, but what we do understand is that this woman hasn't lived the most dignified life. And currently she's living in sin. Jesus knows that right now the man that she's with is not her husband. Just a quick note here. See, there's no sin that Jesus doesn't know about. There is not one thing going on in our lives that Jesus doesn't know. There's nothing you can hide from him. He is aware of all of it from the past and even what's happening now in the present. He sees it and listen to this. He wants us to see truth. He is seeking you right now. He is calling us all back to righteousness. He will not leave any that have been called by his name. So this woman, she does exactly what a lot of us do when our sin is exposed. She changes the topic immediately, right? Instead of confronting her sin, she just sort of starts talking about Jesus. She, he says to her, here's all your sin. And she goes, wow, okay, you must be a prophet, right? She doesn't deny her sin. She, she embraces it, but she deflects. She deflects, such a good tactic as so often used by people to deflect away from themselves. And now let's start talking about you. You've proven you're a prophet, but let's not look at my sin, only a prophet could know these things going on in her life. And so she switches the conversation. Let's get away from my sin. And then she dumps on Jesus this theological question. This question of the time. This, this something that she and others would have been wondering about and would have been interested to hear a prophet from Israel speak about. Someone like Jesus. You're a teacher, Jesus, coming from uh, Judea, teach us, what do you think about this theological question? And so in verse 20, she asks, she says, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. So she, 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 so she deflects and she says, see, our fathers worshipped here at this mountain. They built this other temple because the Jews had no dealings with them. They built their own temple and they only had the Pentateuch. They only had the first five books, what we call now, of the Bible. And so that's what they knew. They didn't have any of the history or the uh, minor prophets or the major prophets. They only had that. And so the Jews thought that their teaching was uh, incomplete and wrong. And they didn't have the richness of the rest of the scriptures at the time. And so she asks, is it true that you can only worship in Jerusalem? What about our mountain here? Can we worship in our temple on this mountain right here? What do you think about this, Jesus? Verse 21, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. You see, and this is our second point here that when we meet Jesus, our worship doesn't depend on location. Our worship doesn't depend on location. It's not about location. What we're going to find out is it's about spirit. It's not about location. It's not a question of geography anymore. Jesus basically answers that your question no longer applies. No longer is this the case. It's not about that. But this is what our flesh wants to think even today. 
that there is some sort of holy place, that there is some sort of um, spot where we can go. There's certain people we can meet in a certain way. There's, there's a certain thing we can do in a certain place as long as the ornaments are in the right location and everything is set up right. And, and in that place, there we can worship God. And Jesus is saying, no. There isn't one place. God isn't more present in one location than he is in others. In Christ, we don't need to worry about location anymore. We can worship God anywhere. And church, how important is this truth for us today? Right now, this weekend. As as a church, we are meeting in our own homes. You see, the truth of God, the The reality of God, the location of God is not bound by four walls of a building. You do not need to be here or there or anywhere, whether it's on a mountain or in Jerusalem or in our church to worship God. We can worship God anywhere. Our worship is not dependent on geography. We can pray to him anywhere. We can sing to him. We can read his word. We can hear from the spirit. We can be filled with the fruit of the spirit and we can please God in anything we do as long as we do it in faith. Church, our God is in control and is everywhere. And even right now, he is hearing the prayers of the faithful as we gather together yet separately. Even right now, you're, you're able to think of the person who you maybe would have been sitting in church next to right now, and you can pray for them, and God will hear you. In fact, after the message today, you could call them and pray for them, and what a blessing that would be. When we meet Jesus, our worship is no longer based on location. And this leads us into our next point, that we can do this now that we can worship now with confidence. When we meet Jesus, our worship is with confidence. Look at verse 22. It says this, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. We can have confidence in who Christ is. We can know God. We truly can know God. And we know from the scriptures that the Messiah will come from the Jews. And he did. We know that Jesus fulfilled all the prophecy about him, that he died for our sins and he was resurrected from the dead and he gives us new life. We can know him. We will be given confidence and we will know who we are worshiping. Our God is not just some faraway figure, some deity that is not near. No, he is close and we can have a close and personal relationship with our God. We know who we worship. How many people in our day and I, our day and age think that there's only just some sort of God out there. uh, He can't really be known. And we're just sort of hoping that he does us some favor. Sometimes a lot of people think this a lot. And the second, things, the second that things seem to go wrong, they blame God and curse him for it. 
Like this virus that's going around. I've already been confronted on this. I've already been asked this question. Why is your God killing everyone? Don't you have an in with him? Can't you talk to him about this? What's going on? And the reality is, is that this comes from a lack of knowledge about who God is. This only comes from a place when you don't actually have a a relationship and an understanding and a confidence of your God. We know that God has come to save the world because it is a broken place. That sin entered the world and since then, this world has been calling out for redemption. And Christ now has come. Christ has set us free. See, if you're worried about death, if you're worried about disease, if you're worried about hunger, come to Christ. Because he is the one who gives eternal life. He is the one that quenches the thirst. He is the one who will give you food and you will never hunger again. He is the one and only answer to the world's problems. God is the one who loved the world and gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This we know. We have confidence in this because if you have believed in Christ and been sealed with the Holy Spirit, he gives you the confidence that you are his. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. He has promised us this. We know that regardless of what happens in this life, we will be with him forever. And in his presence and in perfection. God is not losing any battles, church. He has already won. And now we see a world that is broken and in need of hope. Christ is the hope of the world. We know who our God is. And there's no need to doubt even for a second. If we die today, or if in 50 years, God is still going to bring us into his presence. If we face persecution or famine, God is still going to bring us into his presence. What we have to look forward to in the presence of God in eternity forever is so much greater than anything we could ever receive on this earth and will give us hope in the best of times and in the worst of times. We can have confidence because of who our God is and how he has revealed himself to us. Praise God. We need not to wonder. We need not to fear. We only need to trust our God and have confidence in who he is. Let's continue in our text because this really, the last two points lead into this one so well. Verse 23 to 26. And the point is this, that with Jesus, after we've met Jesus, our worship will be all about the heart. It's going to be about the heart. Verses 23 to 26. It says this. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. We already saw that it's not about location and that we can have confidence. You see, it's not about location. It's about being in the spirit. And it's not about uh, 
obscurity, an obscure view of God, but it's about being confident and having truth on our side. It's not obscurity and lack of knowledge. It's spirit and truth. Our worship now is about the heart. We must be true worshipers with a pure heart. And true worshipers are not worried about anything other than worshiping in spirit and truth. We know it's not about location. We know that we can know who God is and so we can worship in spirit and truth. You see, worship can't just be about physical. That's actually the outpouring of our worship. What happens in our hearts then moves to our hands, but it's not just our hands. It has to be about the heart. If it's just about our hands and our actions, often we'll think that our actions are actually bringing us closer to God, that we've earned some kind of favor, that we've deserved this closeness, but it's not about what we have done. It's always been about what Christ has done. And so what happens is, is as our heart understands who our God is, we worship in spirit and in truth. John Calvin wrote this. He said, in every age, God desires to be worshiped by faith, prayer, acts of thanksgiving, purity of heart, and innocence of life. And at no time was he pleased with other sacrifices. But under the law, there were various additions made, and the spirit and truth were covered over and hidden. Now that the veil of the temple is torn, nothing is hidden or obscure. You see, God is looking to the heart. Is your heart pure before him? Are you seeking him in humility and in prayer? Are you worshiping him in faith? Our worship is about the heart. Church, we can approach him filled with the spirit of God, filled with the truth of the word of God, knowing who he is and knowing what he has done for us. And in gratitude, thanksgiving, hope, peace, and joy, worship him from our heart, no matter where we find ourselves to be. Our worship is all about the heart, not location, not obscurity, but in spirit and in truth. Let's finish off the text here. In 27, we see his disciples come back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? And then in 28, it says, so the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. You see, the worship that we have when we meet Christ, it, it cannot be contained. And this is our fifth point today. When we meet Jesus, our worship is not contained. It doesn't end with us. This worship longs to be shared with others. We want others to experience the blessing and the joy that we have received. The woman drops her water bucket. She runs home. She's not even thinking about this water anymore. She, it's clicked in for her. It's not this water that I need. It's the living water that comes from Christ. She, she drops her bucket. She runs home and she tells everyone who she has just met. Everything clicked for her. Her eyes were opened. She could finally see that she had met the promised Messiah. She had met the only one who knew everything about her. 
She had met the only one who could satisfy completely. She had tried to find, just like many of us, just like many of us, she had tried to find satisfaction in so many places for so long. When the reality is the only place she could find any kind of satisfaction was in meeting with Jesus. So she worships Jesus. She runs and she tells everyone else. She took her worship and she sought to make more worshipers so that they could have their eyes open like she had her eyes open. Have your eyes been open to the reality of who Christ is? Have you been trying to satisfy the longing in your soul with so many things in this world and they've never come through? Let me tell you, only Jesus can satisfy. Only Jesus can satisfy eternally. And if you believe in him, if you trust in him, if you put your faith in him, if you follow him, he will turn your mourning into joy. He will turn you from confused to wise. Will you turn to Jesus Christ just as this woman did? And if you have, and if you already have, we must go tell others. We must share this joy that we have found in Christ, this eternal overflowing well of eternal life that he has put in us. And thankfully, even though we are social distancing right now, even though we're at home, maybe sitting on your couch right now, I don't know what you're doing. But we have the technology right now that we can reach an audience that maybe we wouldn't even have been able to reach before. You have the ability to reach more people than this woman would have been able to reach in person. Other people are at home too, and they're wondering, full of anxiety and full of fear. And they need the hope, the hope of the world, Jesus Christ. I pray that you would ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you who you can share the good news of Jesus with today, this week. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And we can all be worship, worshipers of him in spirit and in truth. Let's pray. So Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for your grace. God, thank you, Lord, that you fill us with your spirit, God. Thank you, Lord, that all we need to do is ask God and you will give us living water. Lord, I pray that you would help us, God. Lord, would you help us see our own sin, God? Would you help us not deflect from it, God? Would you help us deal with it, Lord, and turn to you and receive the joy and the blessing that you have for us. Lord, help us in this time. Lord, allow us still, even in the um, confinement of our own homes, if that is where we are right now, Lord, to still be lights in the world, to still be uh, salt in this world. Lord, we thank you for your grace, God. We love you, and we pray that you would help us in all of these things. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.